You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Today, we're going to continue our series about the life of David as we talk about the heart of the king. And we're going to talk specifically about the role of worship in the heart of the king and how each of us can grow and overcome these challenges that we are uh, no doubt going to continue to face, not just in culture and society, but quite frankly, just down deep in our hearts. We're always going to have challenges that we need help in overcoming. And this is one of those passages here today where we can truly learn from God's word and glean some truths that will make all the difference in the world. If you have your copy of scripture, we're going to ask you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14. And if you will stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word, we're going to read one of the more curious, interesting Somewhat confusing for some folks, I think, passages in the Old Testament, and we hope to make it clear to you today. In fact, I want to do more than make it clear. I, I, I pray that these words from the, the Word of God will absolutely rock your world and transform your life. Listen to this. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And, with, and when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And here's what's interesting. And the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight. Verse 23. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Let's pray. God, in this world, there are harmful spirits. Lord, we we, we know that there are dark things that can bring darkness to our hearts. But I ask, Lord Jesus, that from this very sad episode in Saul's life, a moment where he needed refreshment and solace. God, I pray that you will bring refreshment and solace to our hearts. If there is someone here today or someone listening to this message who's going through difficulties, God, I pray, I pray that you will bring them the encouragement that they need. Lord, speak to us through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It is perfectly okay to admit that you don't always have your emotions in check. 
It is impossible to live a human life, I think, and to every day be on top of it when it comes to your heart and your emotions. But it is never okay uh, to point the finger at other people or to blame people for the darkness that is within your heart. You've got to own those emotions. You've got to be honest about your heart problems. But here's the, the most important thing for us to get today. We cannot remain in sadness. If we are going through darkness, like we see in Saul's life here. He was going through some serious darkness. He does try to get some help, but here's the key. We can't stay in sadness when there's a world that needs you to be filled with the joy of the Lord. There is nothing worse than people who should be filled with joy and the joy of the Lord constantly filled with sadness and sorrow and not showing the world the smile of God and the hope of grace. It doesn't take long to experience a sad heart as many of you know but there is a way out of sadness and here's the thing there is a gospel solution in fact I want to tell you of all the heartbreaks you're going to go through in life all the challenges you're going to face I believe the gospel always has the answer for you and ultimately if we want to bring it into the most practical language possible here's here's what I want you to grab a hold of right out of the gate today the only way the only sure way out of any sadness that you're going through is to worship your way out. If you are experiencing spiritual difficulties and darkness, the only way out for sure, the only gospel way out is to worship your way out. Now today we're going to talk about David. And in, in fact, what I'm doing here with the title of the sermon, David, come and play a song for us. I believe that the generation uh, in America today, the people who are alive today who are worshipers, we need to hear a song of David, okay? We need to hear the comforting presence of the skillful uh, lyrics of the Psalms and the songs from David's hearts. We need to hear a song, a fresh song. Why? Well, if you look here in the passage, verse 14, there are harmful spirits. And here's what's really interesting. And this is what makes this passage totally unique um, in, in the Old Testament anyway. This harmful spirit isn't from the enemy. This is not from the devil. It comes from the Lord. Did you notice that? That's what's interesting here. Uh, the Lord uses this difficulty for his purpose. And we're going to try to get down to, to brass tacks here and understand why that is. Because our first impulse is to hear that and say, that doesn't sound like a God who loves me. That doesn't sound like justice. But let me tell you why people would struggle with this passage. The reason why people don't want to hear about a harmful spirit, quote unquote, from the Lord. The reason why is because we underestimate both the power of our sin and God's sovereignty in our lives. The reason why we would think that we never deserve any kind of challenges or this quote unquote harmful spirit from the Lord is because we don't understand how devastating our sins are. And also we are not constantly and continually submitting our lives to the sovereignty of God. And that means in all things. We can submit our hearts to God's sovereignty when everything's going our way. But, but friends, think about it. God is asking us to submit our hearts to him even when things are not going our way. In fact, in particular, especially and most of all when things are not going our way. 
Think about it. Today in Christianity, when, when sadness or difficulties enter into our lives, our, our first impulse is to look to blame other people, outside circumstances. There's a devil behind every bush. Sometimes we do blame God. But the last thing we tend to do is, is realize that the reason why we're going through difficulties is because of our thoughts and our actions. Have you ever thought that some of the problems that you have in your life is because, well, you did it? It shocks me sometimes when I'm talking with people how like that's the last place they look is in their own heart. If things aren't going well, it had to be somebody else. No, let me tell you, most likely it was you. And and God's word is so good in this way at just not letting us continue the facade. We need to realize that many times the reason why we're hurting is because of a lack of devotion to God. This story from the life of Saul and David helps us to see this. And we need to realize the the, the reality that makes sense to me, but our hearts, when they're pursuing affections other than uh, that of God, in other words, a heart away from God, should it surprise us that we have trouble? Think about this question. Have you considered that the Lord has the right to trouble us if such vexation in our lives can bring us into a right relationship with him? Many times when I listen to preaching in the modern world, it sounds like preaching is meant to help you like avoid any troubles. But if you're always avoiding troubles, my guess is you're always avoiding growth. And what if God is putting something, a thorn in the flesh? Doesn't Paul talk about that? He talks about his thorn in the flesh. What if that thorn is motivating you towards something better? That's really a question for us here today. When it comes to our hearts, we're always saying we don't want no trouble. But here's the reality. What if that trouble is exactly what we need? What if, what if it's true that if, unless God stirs our hearts, we're going to continue to be bankrupt in our sins? What if it's true that we're going to sink deeper into the valley of despair? Wouldn't it be better to have a little bit of a, of, of a jolt to get us going in the right direction than to continue spiraling down? David has a song for us. Let's let him play it. And let's listen to it today. Our first point is from verse 14. And it's pretty simple and yet it's pretty uh, disturbing. Hurting hearts and harmful spirits. The first part we understand, hurting hearts. If you're a human being in this world and you're trying to live for Jesus, you know what it's like to have a broken heart. But what is it with these harmful spirits that we learn that the spirit of the Lord departs from Saul and then this harmful spirit comes? Now let me say this, Saul did know. King Saul, before King David, King Saul had known what it was like to be in the presence of the Lord. If you have some time later today, look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses five through 13, and you'll see that Saul brushes up against real worship. He brushes up against true prophecy. Some people begin to say, is, is he filled with the spirit and is he one of the prophets? But he wasn't. He was near worship, but he wasn't fully impacted by worship. Let me just stop and say right now that one of the greatest dangers in the church today is that we have a lot of people who have been in the vicinity of worship, but they've not allowed worship to completely take over them. Beware in your life. You can go your whole life. I think there are generations of Christians who have gone their whole life and they think because they've been in the vicinity of worship that that makes them worshipers of God. Listen to me, worship has to hit you deep. 
It has to change your actions, your attitudes, and everything. There are a lot of people that have brushed up against worship, but they've not really experienced the power of worship. This passage ought to scare you if you are a superficial, just come and go kind of Christian. You get your Jesus fix and go on. This passage better rock your world because you are like Saul and not like David. Think about it. Here in this passage, Saul has only himself to blame for his actions. He comes to realize this at the end of his life, 1 Samuel 24, 16 through 21 and 26, 21. His problem was he was unwilling to submit his heart to the word of the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord, but he disconnected from that. He would listen to Samuel say, don't do this. And then he would go do it. He was responsible for his actions. He did not know the power of God in fullness because he chose to disobey. Samuel, we said last week, he may not have been the most brilliant prophet. He may not have been the most brilliant leader. But when God spoke and said, do this, Samuel said, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. That's a big secret to success as being obedient. Saul was not. And here's the thing. We know that Saul was a man who had brokenness in his hearts. And that sin was separating him from the Lord Jesus. Yes, the the God of his creation, but also separating him even from the people around him. Now I want you to get this, write this down. Hurting hearts are the most vulnerable to harmful spirits. If your heart is hurting and you're not getting help, Let me just warn you, you are opening up a door to more spiritual darkness if you're not getting help. If you are hurting, there are harmful spirits in this world that I think can hurt you even more. But verse 14 makes it clear that this particular spirit is from the Lord. That's repeated no less than three times in this passage. Uh, God's word does not want us to see it any other way. That this particular harmful spirit has more purpose than just harming. The word in Hebrew here, ra'ah, can mean evil, injurious, or even miserable. It, it's something that, 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 it is evil in a sense, if you want to look at it. But obviously, it's not evil in the pure sense because it's from the Lord. In other words, God is allowing something in Saul's life that is painful, that is miserable, that he would say, like you and I would, if we have a, a, something spiritually in our lives right now painful, we're not going to say, oh, thank you, Lord. I just love feeling like this. I love the depression. I love, I love the darkness. I love sadness and crying all the time. We, no, we would say that that was miserable. But we need to ask the question, if we're miserable, why? And could it be something that God is using kind of a harmful thing that we're aware of in our hearts so that we will turn from that sin. Now, let me have you turn in your Bibles right now to Job chapter two. If you have your copy of scripture, if you wanna look on the screen behind me, Job has a really good question here and it's this, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Now that word trouble is, is in the same category, I think, as this word harmful. You know, we want to say, oh, thank you, Jesus, when things go good. But do you realize that sometimes even those challenges in your life are being used by God to help you grow in grace? Sadly, we rarely see beyond the pain. Most of the time, um, we, we can only see the benefit of pain in other people's lives. We see it clearly then. I mean, when we see somebody going through something and they, they kind of come out of it and they're doing better, we're like, wow, I kind of see that. But we can't see that for ourselves when we are going through the troubles. Oh, friends, the discipline of the Lord is painful. 
Those of you who have had to go to the doctor or maybe have a surgery, you know that before there is good health, there is great pain. Don't you think that the, 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 the Holy Spirit, when he does an operation on your heart, don't you think it's going to be painful? Yes, but it will be beneficial in the end. Now, let me have you think through Isaiah 45, verses 5 through 7 with me for just a moment. If you have your copy of Scripture, you can turn there. Once again, look at the screen. Notice what the Lord says. I am the Lord, and there is no other beside me. There is no God beside me. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no other beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I am from light and create darkness. And notice this, I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Now notice this, God says, look, I'm working sometimes when you don't even know I'm there. You don't even know me, but you don't know I'm working, but I'm doing it so that people may know. That's what he says there. He says, you know, God's, God's inviting us to receive something. He is saying that, yes, it is sin that most often brings hurt to our hearts, There is emotional stress that can crush us. But do you realize what God could be doing is opening up a door for greater intimacy with God. Now hear me. I'm gonna say this again. I think what our generation is lacking, we do not lack good churches with good ministries, good music and good preaching. What we seem to be missing today in the modern church is we do not have a large number of our congregants, our people in the congregation who are growing in their intimacy with God. This is the great challenge of our generation that we begin to convince people that it's not enough to brush up against God, but what we are trying to do is help people be saturated with God. We need more than a brush up against God. We need more than just a taste of holiness. We need to live holiness. We need to know what righteousness is and we need to experience that together in church. Our fear of pain though is keeping us from growing in this way. Please, if you're going through a hard time, I know maybe all you have felt is the despair, but what if, what if God has something better for you? Now, our second point is this, helpful souls Helpful souls who soothe the spirit. Realize that God works, but God also works through individuals. Why do we need the church? It's because God is working around us, but he is working through others. The eyes of our hearts can be open to see this work only when we are devoted to the Lord. Now we know that David is the instrument here. He is the one through which... um, some, some comfort comes to Saul. Remember this, this passage? He starts playing the, the lute and that is what helps Saul find refreshment. Listen, that's how God works. God is working through people at Ridgecrest to, to bring grace and, and strength and hope to all of us. That's what David is here. He is an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer. He's not just playing an instrument. He is an instrument. Now, Ridgecrest, let me ask you. Have you allowed God to use you as an instrument. Where in, in, recent, in the recent past have you been an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer? In a sense, we see really uh, 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 the role of the church and, and of disciple making in verses 15 and 16. Do you see that, that there are men in Saul's administration who see the king hurting and say, we think you need something here. 
We, we're going to speak boldly to you and say, you need worship. You need someone who can come and, and play some music and soothe your heart. And I believe verse 16 in particular gives us the language of worship. Saul's servants realize this, that he has a heart problem that only worship can soothe. The very best friends you have will always be driving you back to worship and your dependence on God. The very best friends you have in this world are those who are going to point out uh, holes in your worship, a lack in your devotion, and challenge you in that. To Saul's credit, he initially admits that he has a problem there in verse 17. Saul has not lost fully his ability to discern spiritual things. He's still sensitive enough to know that God speaks and is working. Now he becomes more and more dull of heart as time goes by. But at this point, he still has a heart where he can hear a little bit of the voice of God. And so David is brought in. I want you to notice that David is among the sheep. He's always among the sheep. He has great power of, uh, and great skills. Notice verse 18 says that he's skillful in playing. He's a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence. But verse 18 tells us without a doubt that his greatest secret is the Lord was with him. Jesse sends his son David along with many gifts. He takes him, uh, he goes and he takes those gifts from his father and he finds favor in Saul's sight. And Saul loved him greatly, we are told. But I want to warn you here. Again, Saul is, is a warning for us. Notice how Saul accepts the therapy. In other words, he accepts David, the gift of David and the gifts David brings. He accepts that, but here's the problem. He does not receive the spirit. He says, I'll take the soothing music, but we're going to find out as we go through the rest of First Samuel, he takes the soothing music. He takes the gifts of David. He appreciates the good music, okay? But it doesn't change him. He doesn't allow the spirit to transform him. It's really a dangerous consideration, but you can have all the right people telling you all the right things and still remain in darkness. Hear me. You can have a lot of good gifts in your life. You can have a lot of good people, a lot of good mentors. But in the end, every single one of us have to receive the power and work of God in our hearts. You can have the best church with the best Sunday school teachers, the best preaching, the best music. But at some point, you have to fully surrender your heart to God if you want to be a follower of God. We are not going to grow holy by osmosis. There's something that's got to change in us. We have to believe that, that there are helpful people around us that can help us grow, but we're only going to grow if we submit to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And that brings us to our last point, verse 23, how worship refreshes and restores. Today, we have a culture that views worship as just another form of entertainment. This is why um, we have worship wars and people disagree about whatever kind of music we play. By the way, every Sunday we're going to play a song or we're going to preach a type of sermon that someone's going to say, that's not what I like. Now, here's the thing, and I want to be very gracious with you, but that's one of the big problems and the reason why we're not worshiping well as a, as a Christian culture today is because we think that we're here to be entertained, now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, if you need entertainment, Branson is just a short drive down the road. Some of the best entertainers in the world are right there, okay? You don't need better entertainment. You need the refreshment and the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
And when the church starts getting serious about that, then we'll start getting serious about ministry. I have people filling my inbox with, with many great ideas for ministry. Well, let me tell you, they're all great and I appreciate them. But let me ask you, what good is all the great ministries in the world if you're going to keep brushing up against worship, but you're not going to become a worshiper? If you want to really see the world change for Jesus, then let Jesus change you. The world needs transformed men and women like you and I. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be refreshed and restored. We don't need to be entertainers of a culture. We'll never win that game of entertainment. But what we have is better than entertainment. We have the power of Jesus, and that's what the world needs. Listen, I could get upset and get worried about all the corruption in the church today, all the theology and ideology that's off its rails, but here the Lord has let me read just enough history to realize that every single generation has been messed up as ours. And every generation that has, has yet to come, they're going to be messed up too. We can pick on millennials or we can pick on people uh, at my age, uh, Generation X, or go even further back and say it's this fault or that fault. Let me tell you, God's going to work through all of our faults, but he's only going to do that when we become a people who are refreshed and restored by worship and moving in the power of God. I don't care what the world is doing because the gospel is bigger and better than anything the world has to offer us. And when we are genuinely preaching and proclaiming the gospel, we are unstoppable, church. We are unstoppable. But not if we're going to cater to the ways of the world. Worship is the only thing in this world that's going to separate you and me from our inherent selfishness. Worship refreshes us with heavenly power because it removes us from our fixation on this world. Why is the church so ineffectual? Because many of us in the church are just as selfish as everybody else in the world. We come to church asking for more product instead of more power. You see the world, when you go shopping, you're looking for product, but you don't need product. You need power. I can't tell you how many books, I can't tell you how many seminars talk about branding in the church and how we need to have a, a product to give. Listen, if you need soap and shampoo, get you a branding. But if you need washed from your sins, get Jesus. We have to stop thinking like the world and start being filled with the spirit. That's a different way to do business. And this generation, you, many of you are younger than me and you have this calling, you have this opportunity, but you cannot allow the mistakes of my generation to creep into yours. Worship wars are because men and, men and women in my generation haven't stood up and said, this is not about you being satisfied. This is about you being sanctified. We have to wake up. And I mean that literally here this morning too for you, okay? We have to stop it and restart it. And I'm not angry. I'm excited. I learned a long time ago that my angry and excited, some people don't know the difference. So in case you're wondering, I'm not angry. I am really excited about what God is going to do with just a small group like us here today. If we were truly filled with the Spirit, I know we could conquer so much lostness and darkness in Springfield, Missouri. Just you, just you and me, and more, more importantly, the Holy Spirit. You know why we're not? 
because we have too often been selfish instead of spirit-filled. The world needs more Christian hearts that are focused on God's throne. The world needs you and I refreshed and restored. Oh, we are not leading in worship, church. And that's what's causing stumbling blocks to spiritual growth all around us. As the church conforms to the world, it loses its capacity to refresh souls. If people come to church and go to your small group or go to your ministry event and they're not refreshed, let me tell you why. There's too much of me and you and there's not enough Jesus. People are only gonna be refreshed and restored in an eternal, really you know, long lasting sense when Jesus is present. You know why the church, and I'm just going off the rails here and I don't even care. You know why the church today so often feels empty and we're not getting fed. It's because we've put way too much emphasis on the guy behind the pulpit that he's, he's gonna feed us and, and, and empower us. Listen, I can't make you love Jesus. At some point, you've gotta to wanna to love Jesus. You've gotta come here expecting to find Jesus. You've gotta come here expecting to be refreshed so that you can go serve Jesus. At some point, we have to quit saying that it's gotta be a good sermon or it's gotta be a good song. No, what it needs to be is each one of you individually saying, I'm gonna come and worship mightily before the Lord and that's gonna change everything. But our selfishness is keeping us from the Spirit's outpouring. David's talents were incredible. He was the greatest poet and songwriter, not of his generation, but maybe the world has ever seen. I mean, isn't that crazy? This guy could wield a battle axe and then write a poem. Who knew? What a man. But he wrote music from God because he spent time with God. We need worship more than we need anything else in the world today, Christian. If you have Jesus, you've already got what's most important. Now you need worship. Now, if you are saved, now if you don't know Jesus, the most important thing you need is Jesus. And, and I'm gonna challenge you here at the end if you don't know him, because many of us, I think, I, I fear are like Saul. We've brushed up against Jesus, but we haven't asked him into our heart. But friends, I'm gonna tell you, we, we need to realize that Jesus is in this place and he wants to be in our hearts. But what we have to do is we have to realize that all the talent in the world, the greatest preaching and teaching, even if we had David himself preaching and singing for us, we're going to remain submerged in sadness if we don't get serious about worship. Worship has become something more of a side hustle than our primary focus. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a, that's a, a phrase I've heard recently. People have their main job and then they have their side hustle. Let me tell you, one of the reasons why the churches today are dying is because worship is a side hustle instead of the main event. We come to church when, when it's convenient. I've looked at some of the attendance records, not individuals so much as just larger groups of people. And it blows my mind how, how infrequently some of our most frequent worshipers are. Now, sometimes that's work and sometimes that's out of control. So please, it's out of their control. So don't take this as, as a slam. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. If you are taking worship as your side hustle, don't think for a minute that you're gonna grow closer to Jesus anytime soon. Don't come in here once a month thinking you're gonna get your Jesus fix and then you're gonna go change the world. It's gotta change. David 
was a mighty worshiper and that's what made him a mighty man. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm just, I'm just sick and tired of mediocrity in my spiritual walk. I want to know God more and David helps us see it. Saul helps us see what we can avoid. With worship on the periphery of our lives, God remains there also. We are not God-centered because we are not worship-centered. David's influence in Saul's life was refreshing. There are some scholars who believe, and and by the way, they believe this because some of the legends and mythologies that developed about the history of the Hebrew people, they believe that some of the very songs and psalms that David was playing for Saul ended up in your Bible. So the Psalms in your Holy Scripture, okay, were some of the very songs that David wrote and would have played here for Saul. So here's the thing. David is playing a song for you. Every time you read the Psalms, he is playing a song for you. And the Scriptures give us everything we need to make worship central instead of a side hustle. God's word is our guide out of sadness. We must pray the word, sing the word, and preach the word. But let me say this. I've been doing this for a long time. So I can tell you in preaching, I know where I'm going to make a mistake most often before I make it. So here's where in the past I've made mistakes. Some of what I've said today, some people are going to hear, if I heard Jeremy correctly, which by the way, you didn't. I, if, if I'm going through depression, I just need to go to church more. So what people will do is take what I said here today and throw kind of the whole picture out. So let me just be clear, just so you can't uh, in a few weeks say you misled me. So hear this, if you are in a dark, sad place, if a troubling spirit is in your heart, get professional counseling. Don't mess around. If you are really heartbroken and hurting, get help, get good help. Secondly, surround yourself with Christian friends. This passage shows that Saul had some good, solid counselors around him that steered him in the right direction of worship. The fact that Saul didn't get there where he needed to, that was Saul's fault. But surround yourself with people like this. And thirdly, don't neglect worship. Now, what I want you to realize is, is that the reason I've I've preached the sermon the way I have today is because most people think that one and two are appropriate and they disregard the third step. And what I'm telling you there is that third step about worship may be the most important if you are a Christ follower. If you are experiencing darkness, if there is pain in your life, don't ignore it. Get the help you need, but realize you're never going to get where you need to get if you don't get down to worship. You need this time in the word and in hearing the songs of Zion. David's song is being sung today because every time we hear the word, we hear the song of God. And I'm gonna ask you right now, if you will bow your heads, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of guy that ever wants to manipulate, but I want you to be totally moved today by the spirit of God. I want you to begin to ask this question. David, More importantly, son of David, Jesus, will you play your song for me? The people next to you that you love the most, your family and friends, they may not need the same song you need, but we all need a song. The troubles, the sadness, they don't need to remain. There is a way back and Jesus will lead you there. Genuine healing is possible, but Saul's story better wake us up. 
better cause us to examine our hearts as we conclude here today. I am thankful for a godly heritage. My mom and dad were here earlier today. They raised me in church, but I want to tell you, proximity to worship doesn't make me a worshiper. You can experience the power of God, but not be saved by that power. Don't be that person like Saul, who's brushed up against worship, but has not learned to worship. You may have been in church all your life, but if you don't have Christ at the center of your heart, the darkness will eventually win. I want you to realize that the troubles you're facing right now may be leading you to open your eyes and heart to some deep, deep problems in your soul that only salvation can fix. But even if you are saved, as Job learned, isn't the good and the bad from the Lord? Ask right now God to show you what you need to learn through the good and the bad. And finally, let me warn you, if you do not have a deep abiding love for worshiping Jesus, I want you to realize that could be an indicator that your heart is not at peace with God. Worship has to be more than something that is a suggestion. It has to be a passion. The song has been playing for a long time. Someday we'll get to heaven and we'll hear a new song. The most important thing for you right now is that you begin to sing with the heavenly choir in this world so that when you take your last breath in this world, your very next breath will be in heavenly praise with the heavenly chorus toward the lamb, holy, slain before the foundation of the world. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Join in that chorus. Sing that song. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.